Uh, this fall, we're in a series on spiritual gifts, and uh, it's this recognition that all of us are gifted uh, by the Holy Spirit, and that we, we should, we, we must know and learn and understand what our spiritual giftings are. We've been using this definition by Dr. Robert Clinton that a spiritual gift is a God-given unique capacity which is given to each believer for the purpose of releasing a Holy Spirit-empowered ministry either in a situation or to be repeated again and again. And just a reminder, it is Holy Spirit-empowered. It's the way that... The Holy Spirit reveals Himself in and through us is through the spiritual gifts that He gives us. And this is for both one-time deals where you're in a situation and you need something from the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit gives it to you for that moment. Plus, we recognize that there are some of us, all of us have a gifting that just keeps on repeating. It's something that we just function in on a regular basis. It's what God has given us. Uh, Clinton also puts gifts into generally three categories, and we've been following that. There are the love gifts, uh, which manifest the love of God in real ways. This is, this is where we see the love of God at work. And uh, some of you, in fact, uh, I prayed with somebody last week that had serving, mercy, giving. They do it all. And I'm just going, you have the heart of God in you. Just love people well. You're going to do this because that's what God has gifted you. Word gifts. Clarify the nature, action, and purposes of God. We need the teachers and the exhorters and the apostles and the leaders and the shepherds and the evangelists to help us see the purposes of God. They proclaim these purposes. And then there's the power gifts that demonstrate the power, presence, and reality of God in and amongst us today. We're going to step into the power gifts. Now, for some of you, you're like, yes, it's about time, Brad. I've been waiting for you to get to these. And others of you are probably going, oh, here we go. What direction is Brad going to go on this one? Um, you're all welcome here. <laughs> okay? Uh, I, I hear you both. I've been in both of those places. Before we step into these power gifts, I just want to remind us of a couple of things. One, this discovery of our spiritual gifts is a journey. It's, it's a journey of discovery. Okay? You, you're going you're gonna to learn and know some things, and you're going to test it out, and you're going to move forward, and then you're going to learn some more stuff. And you're gonna, it, it, it's a thing we figure out as we go. Um, you don't have to have it all together by the time we leave the service. Okay? It, it's, it's a journey of discovery. The other thing is, um, yeah, that's way better for some of us, right? Uh, we're still trying to figure out, never mind. Um, there's another piece here, and that is a gift mix, recognizing that some of you, all of us, I would say, have a mixture of these gifts. 
There may be one that's predominant, and then the other ones just kind of shape your gifting. Okay, so my, my strong gifting is really exhortation and encouragement. But it flows through my leadership. It throws through, flows through teaching and, and those kind of things. So that just forms and shapes. So you, that's why I'm more of a preacher than a teacher because I'm, I'm all about encouragement and exhortation. I'm trying to get you to move. I, I, I'm, I'm less concerned about all the information and more concerned about how do I challenge you. That's just the way my gift mix works. And each of us has a gift mix. The other thing, <clears throat> I kind of alluded to it uh, just a couple of minutes ago when some of you are going, oh no, here we go, power gifts. Fear. Um, fear can play a huge role in any of the stuff relating to the spiritual gifts, not just the power gifts, because sometimes we're afraid that we're going to get it wrong, that I'm going to think I have one gift and then I, well, maybe I don't. Um, you won't get it wrong, okay? God has already made you. Again, it's a journey of discovery. It, it's going to shift and flow, and your gifting may adjust and change. And, and then there's a whole thing of uh, when you are a good steward of the gifts that God has given you, He most likely will give you more. Then there's this fear that what if I use it wrong? You will. We've, we've mentioned this as we've gone through the gifts, is that these are... Holy Spirit gifts, and, and we are to use them empowered by the Spirit. But when we try to use these gifts in our flesh, we can hurt people. We can do wrong. And that, that includes even serving and mercy. When we do it out of our flesh, we can hurt people. We can even hurt ourselves. Remember, mercy, we talked about that the flesh side of mercy is enabling That's why it's so important that our mercy gifts are empowered by the Holy Spirit, our serving gifts, all of them. So, we addressed this fear thing a few weeks ago at the beginning of this series where we, as a congregation, those of you who are here, we really renounced the spirit of fear around, um, around spiritual gifts because we all recognize that with gifts, especially power gifts, uh, there are those TV evangelists and stuff who have really abused much of the spiritual gifts, but that's not who we are here. Okay, we we are going to move forward on all spiritual gifts based on God's word. Okay, Paul has some very clear teaching, and that's that's what we are going to follow. But I want to remind us of Paul's words in Second Timothy one that I brought up, brought up a couple of times, and that is this: For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on my hands. So Timothy, a young leader in the church of Ephesus, Paul's encouraging him to fan into flame the gift that God has given you. For some of you, your spiritual gifts are like a little pilot light in your furnace, or your water heater, or your gas stove. It's just a little, Paul's basically saying, turn up the gas. Let's get this thing, this flame going. Some of you have been operating in your gifts for a while, and you know, the Holy Spirit might be going, okay, let's like turn it up to high. You've been on low, maybe medium, it's time to crank it up to high. So fan into flame the gift of God. And that's, that's what we're trying to do here through this whole conversation, fan it into flame. 
Verse 7, Paul says this, For the Spirit of God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. There are three Greek words that can be interpreted uh, or translated as fear. The one used here uh, has to do with a lack of courage or moral strength. So that's why there's the word timidity here. Or another word that could be put there is cowardice. So we could say, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us a coward. So some idioms that are sometimes used when we think of cowardice is um, to have a fallen heart or to have lost heart or one's heart has disappeared. The, the motivation to move forward, you've lost it. You, it is gone. So uh, w- w- a good contrast for me as I was thinking about this is the difference between King Saul and Goliath and David and Goliath. King Saul had lost heart. Thus, his people, the Israelites, had lost heart. The Goliath came and just like, yeah, you bunch of dogs, blah, 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 blah. They had lost heart. They were cowards. Fear had enveloped them. Little David comes along and what does he do? Who are you? (laughs) You giant oaf. That's Brad Friedland paraphrase of the Hebrew. <laughs> I fight with the armies of the Lord. He had heart. Of course, he was called a man after God's own heart. So, as we move forward, I want us to remember that um, the Spirit of God has not given us a spirit of timidity or cowardice, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. So as we continue through this process of discovering spiritual gifts, let's, let's, let's be like King David and go, all right, let's, let's do this. Let's figure this stuff out. So power gifts. Power gifts demonstrate the power, presence, and reality of God. Paul gives us a picture of this when he's talking about the gift of prophecy in 1 Corinthians 14. In verse 25, he says these words, after giving instruction about prophecy being used in, in the church, he says this, So they, people who come and see, will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. This is what the power gifts are, are about, right here. When the power gifts are in action, people will go, oh, wow. The power of God is among you. A similar thing is said all the way in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, where Paul says this, My message and my preaching were not with wise and pervasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not, might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Almost every Sunday when I'm over here, this is my prayer. I don't want to come up with wise and pervasive words. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. Because then what happens? Because then you put your faith in my words or, oh, wow, Brad was really on today or whatever. I, I would rather stumble and fumble with my words and then there be a demonstration of the Spirit's power because then you're going to go, yeah, Brad's an okay preacher, but wow, is the Holy Spirit working today? 
Because I, I don't want anybody to put their faith in me. Let's just be real. So we need the power gifts so that the power, presence, and reality of God is real. Most of these power gifts are presented in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting with verse 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you, want you to be uninformed. And before we move on, I, just, I do want to point out here is that there's a number of places, a couple different places in 1 Corinthians where the translators put the words gifts of the Spirit or spiritual gifts, and the Greek word for gifts isn't in there. It's just the Greek word pneumatikos, which is spiritual. So really, in essence, what Paul is saying is, now about the things of the Spirit... Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be informed. And the reason why I bring this up is because I think sometimes we get honed in on, oh, we're talking about those gifts. What Paul is dressing here, he's dressing the things of the Spirit. Spiritual gifts are part of, are, are part of it, yes, absolutely, and a big part of it, because Paul is dealing with something in, the, in 1 Corinthians here. But let's, let's, let's view this as something bigger, bigger. Not just these gifts, but all the other gifts that we've talked about, everything else that Paul talks about. So, verse 2. Uh, you know that when you were pagan, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So, there's, a whole, there's a whole sermon right here in this verse. I'm not going to address this right now because a lot of you probably have questions. But just know that we have to look at this verse in context of the first century church in Corinth. But, and we're not gonna, for what we're trying to do today, we're not going to dive into that. Therefore, uh, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Manifestation, revealing, okay? So to each one, the revelation or the revealing of the Holy Spirit. We see the power of the Holy Spirit when we are operating in the spiritual gifts that God has given us. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Paul's emphasis here on one Spirit, he keeps saying it over and over again, one Spirit. Again, we have to see this in context of first century church in Corinth. Meaning, in first century, people saw that there were many gods. Many gods, and you worship many gods depending on your need. There were fertility gods, harvest gods, water gods, sun god, moon god. The list was on. 
And so some people in the church back then, when they had all these different gifts, they began associating the different gifts with different spirits. And Paul's going, no, 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 no. This is, there's, there's one God, one Lord, one Savior, one Spirit. And so whether a person prophesies or whether they speak in tongues or, or whether they have a word of knowledge, whatever it is, it's all the same Spirit. Now, we're going to hit three gifts today of our power gifts. Uh, we're going to hit prophecy, word of knowledge, and word of wisdom. So first of all, prophecy, definition that we can use for this is the capacity to deliver truth publicly, either of a predictive nature or as a situational word from God. This gift is used to exhort the community, edify or comfort believers, or convince non-believers of God's truth. Prophecy is mentioned all over in the Bible, Old and New Testament, so you can just see there, there's a bunch of places where, um, well, most specifically Paul addresses Prophecy. The central thrust is to provide truth and direction. So we get this understanding that prophecy is a way that God, through the Holy Spirit, can speak to us in a predictive nature. A, A picture of what is coming down the road. An example of this is found in Acts chapter 21. And uh, let's look at this, these three verses here. Acts chapter 21, verse 8. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Okay, so Philip's daughters had the spiritual gifting of prophecy. They were prophets. After he had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. A couple of things I want us to notice about this. First of all, uh, I want us to notice that Luke here in this verse says, The Holy Spirit says... One of the things you will notice when you read either the Gospel of Luke or the book of Acts, which Luke has written, is he emphasizes the Holy Spirit more than any of the other Gospel writers. And so we often, whenever the church is listening for direction from God, most of the time, Paul will say, the Holy Spirit said. And and so I I think it's important for us to understand, because sometimes we're, we're like, okay, is it God that speaks to me, or is it Jesus, or, or who? Well, they all speak to you because they're all one on that hand, but it's really okay for us to go, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. The other thing is, um, do you see the predictive nature of this prophecy word here? Agabus took Paul's belt, tied it around his hands and feet, and said, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over. Okay, so this, this is gonna, what's going to happen. So, the follow-up question is, did it happen? 
Yes and no. What? Well, let's remember first what is said right here. The Holy Spirit says, in this way, get this now, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind over the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Now, I'm going to read the rest of the story, starting in verse 27. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia, I'm going to put this on here so you can see it too, they stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law and this place. And besides, he has brought us, sorry, I am flying along here and I'm not keeping you on, on, <laughs> on board. It's a good thing that this message is going to be powered by the Spirit and not by me. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. They had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian in the city, with Paul and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple. You know what assuming means, right? Um, The whole city was aroused, and the people came running from all directions. Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commanders and his soldiers, they stopped uh, beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd shouted one thing and some another, and since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great, he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed him kept shouting, get rid of him. Now, it happened in Jerusalem, right? He was bound up, right? But Agabus said the Jewish leaders would bind up Paul. Who actually bound up Paul? The Roman guards. He said that the Jewish leaders would hand Paul over to the Gentiles. What did the Jewish leaders do? Kill him! So, why do I bring this up? Because there's some misinformation when it comes to prophecy today. And part of that misinformation is that we, we feel like prophecy or people with the gift of prophecy have to get everything absolutely right, or if they don't get everything right, then they're a false prophet. And that's not true. And thankfully, Luke included this story so that we could see Agabus man of God, had a word of... The the overall general prophetic predictive word was right. Paul, when you go to Jerusalem, you're going to get bound up and you're going to be handed over to the Gentiles. How that happened was not right. So what I want us to understand here is that when we talk about prophecy, 
it is important for us to also test prophetic words. Okay? When, when somebody prophesies, we don't, we don't wholesale, you know, all right, that's what they said it, so this is the way it's going to be. No, we bring it to the Lord and we ask the Lord to confirm. Okay? So I don't think Paul would label Agabus a false prophet. Especially not when he's getting beaten, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> here's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says this, Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold to what is good. This is how we respond to prophecy right here. It's that simple. If somebody has a prophetic word, don't hold it in contempt. Listen, receive, test it, and then whatever is good in that, hold on to it. Whatever is not good, let it go. We have to remember that prophecy is predictive in nature. It is being spoken by the Holy Spirit into humans who are made of the flesh, who are influenced by their flesh, and they sometimes get things either completely wrong or partly wrong. I remember a number of years ago, I was um, preaching at Riverwood Covenant Church uh, where I was on staff as teaching pastor, and this woman came up to me afterwards. Her name is Lori a uh, super neat uh, woman, she comes up to me and she says, Brad, I have a word for the, I, I have a word I think God has for you today. And it was at, at the end of the service and I was in the back and a lot of things, so I was like, okay, sure, you know, whatever. And then she said, God doesn't want you to worry about, and then she listed off three things. <clears throat> Those three things were at the top of my prayer list in my prayer journal, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to pay attention. And so basically, the, the word is, because I was looking for a church to go and be a senior pastor at, you, you can, you can re- go to whatever church you want and you will bear some fruit and God will be okay with it. But if you wait for where God wants you to go, you will bear much fruit. For his kingdom. So, (laughs) right. But you you have to understand, I I had an idea of what that meant, but I didn't have an idea of what that meant. Okay? So, I've held it. Terry and I have tested it. We have waited. And we've hung on to what is good. The crazy thing is she continued her prophetic word about me going over to seize a whole bunch, to preach the gospel, overseas a whole bunch. And I'm like, uh, that, that doesn't sound like me. Her husband was right next to her. And he was, he was great because he says, Laurie, I think that part's for you. And seriously, she's been going to Africa like crazy. But, but you see, it, I, the point I want to share with you is that there was a predictive word that was sent my way. I, I needed to hold on to it. I needed to test it. Okay? The thing that's crazy is in some of the hardest times for Terry and I, we're able to hang on to that. Okay, there, there is a place that God wants us to go. 
And, and there is a place. And, and I, I, we do feel this is that place. Okay? And we believe that there, there is going to be much fruit bore in and through this church as we move forward. So, one of the things I do, uh, we got some visitors here, and you're all super welcome, excited you're here. One of the things we do after each gift is I read through a bunch of statements. You may have the gift of prophecy if, and I just want you to close your eyes, focus in, and pay attention if any of these things really, if they fit you. And then at the end of the service, I'll explain why if you go, hey, I might have the gift of prophecy. So, Let's hone in. Let's focus in on that. You may have the gift of prophecy if you are not afraid to speak out publicly or take strong stances on issues. You may have the gift of prophecy if you tend to see the needs of the group as a whole and are willing to take stands on biblical standards. You may have the gift of prophecy when you speak publicly, people are convicted by the truth that you give. You may have the gift of prophecy if you receive direct words for others when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. You may have the gift of prophecy when you are often impressed that God has, by His Spirit, given you a message to deliver to others. You may have the gift of prophecy if, you often, if you're often used to correct by exhorting others to God's truth. And you may have the gift of prophecy if you edify others with God's perspective upon issues they face. So hold on to that. And if you feel like, God, I may have the gift of prophecy. Well, then we'll uh, tell you what to do at the end of the service. The next gift we're going to look at is uh, word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is defined as the word of wisdom. Wow. How did that happen? Um, sorry, I got the wrong definition. See, you know, I, I just copy slides and change words. You know how that goes? Okay, here we go. Uh, so I got them backwards. Sorry about that, boy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so knowledge, this is knowledge here, the capacity or sensitivity of a person to supernaturally perceive knowledge from God, I know it says wisdom, but this is knowledge, which otherwise could not or would not be known, and to apply it to a given situation. We can find this in 1 Corinthians 12, and the central thrust is getting revelatory information. Um, So... The use of the word here, word of knowledge, um, has, uh, uh, in both word of knowledge and word of wisdom, the use of word is the Greek word logos, and this is what suggests that these gifts are situational and given by the Holy Spirit for a particular moment. Uh, We're not talking about someone who has a ton of knowledge. We know those people. They have a ton of knowledge, right? They they seem to know everything. That's that's not necessarily, that's not what the word of knowledge is because it functions similar to prophecy, but where 
Prophecy is more predictive and maybe more communal. The word of knowledge is maybe more one-on-one. There can be some communal thing, but it's more one-on-one, and you're given a direct word about an issue that needs to be dealt with or in some way to encourage somebody. So it comes supernaturally. You may be talking to somebody, and... You're, you're all of a sudden something pops in your brain. You get a picture or a word and you share it with that person. And it's like, oh, wow. Uh, how did you know that? So the, the story I told you about Lori, she had a word of knowledge about my prayer journal when she mentioned those three things. She had no way of knowing that those were my prayer journal because I haven't even shared those with Terry. Those are three things on my list. That, that was a word of knowledge that was given to Lori. So that now you see how these, these gifts can interchange. So word of knowledge word of, word of, and prophetic word were used together. So, uh, again, the word of knowledge is much more a revelation of some piece of information. And it is to use to encourage and correct and exhort somebody that you are in conversation with. So, uh, we're going to focus in now on, you may have the gift of word of knowledge, so we're going to do that now. So again, hone in, focus in, listen to these statements and see if any of these apply to you. You may have the gift of the word of knowledge if you're sensitive to the Spirit's prompting. This allows you to recognize certain impressions from God. You may have the gift of knowledge if you receive knowledge that could not have originated with you. It's something that happens on a regular basis. You may have the gift of knowledge if the knowledge of you receive helps release the activity of God in other people's lives. You may have the gift of knowledge if you have an awareness when God is releasing knowledge and information supernaturally. You may have the gift of word of knowledge if you hear God speak messages that are for someone else. You may have the gift of the word of knowledge if you receive pictures or words for other people in your mind's eye. You may have the gift of the word of knowledge if you have strong counsel, if strong counsel will flood your mind that you are to share with a specific person as you pray silently. So again, if if any of those... Um, match up with you, you may have the gift of word of knowledge. I was just thinking, uh, this happened um, a while ago. We were praying, um, I think about a year ago, and, and I was praying with somebody else for a woman, and we were right up here, and she was sharing some things she was struggling with, and the person that I was praying was with praying, and, and I was just going, you know, um, Holy Spirit, what do you have for this person? And, and this phrase came to my mind, and I just shared with this woman this phrase, and all of a sudden she just broke down in tears. And it unlocked something in her that I, no matter how much I prayed, couldn't have done, and it unlocked it because it was the word of knowledge, and it was revelatory. It came from the Holy Spirit. The last one we're going to look at real quick, quick is the word of wisdom. And the reason why I'm going through these so much quicker is because the reality is prophecy, word of knowledge, and word of wisdom are all very similar because it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you 
and then you are sharing that with others. So the word of wisdom, which is right here now, forget the word of knowledge on top. The word of wisdom refers to the capacity to know the mind of the Spirit in a given situation and to communicate clearly the application of truth to it. The central thrust is applying revelatory information. It's application. Wisdom is more about application. you're, You're talking with somebody about a situation that they're stuck with, and God gives you information that you can share that helps them in the application process. So, um, these three may all be very similar. Now, I'm going to do the same thing with the word of wisdom as we go through this. And the reason why we're going to go through this again is so that you can see, maybe you have the spiritual gift of word of wisdom. So, you may have the gift of words of wisdom if you have sensitivity to the prompting of the Spirit, which allows you to recognize that God is speaking in a situation. You may have the gift of the words of wisdom if you have the quickness to transfer concepts into application for a situation. You may have the gift of words of wisdom if you have an ability to see where principles of truth need to be applied. You may have the gift of words of wisdom if you grasp situations intuitively and see solutions almost simultaneously, further analysis of often confirms your intuition. You may have the gift of words of wisdom. When a word of wisdom is given in a group setting, you usually sense if it is authentic. You may have the gift of the words of wisdom if you see how life applies to other aspects of issues or you fit things together and connect things. Word of wisdom. So the question is, is that interchangeable with the spirit of discernment? Uh, yes, they're all, all of these power gifts kind of interchange. And I'll be talking about discernment in the, next, in the next message. So all three of these are tied together because it's the Spirit of God revealing stuff in us. Now, as we wrap up here this morning, uh, a couple of things in closing. Uh, Three times in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Paul tells us to earnestly desire the things of the Spirit. Which means we, we can desire and ask for different gifts. So, um, and let us remember that these gifts come for some, a person has the gift of prophecy, but sometimes God will give you the gift of prophecy for a particular, particular situation. All three of these gifts require a lot of two things. One, love. Two, humility. If we do not have love and humility, when we are operating the gifts of prophecy, word of knowledge, and word of wisdom, we will hurt people. There are people in this place who I know have these gifts. I've seen them in operation. We, the body, along with every other spiritual gift, we need you to function in your gifting. 
And as we move forward, we will talk about how to utilize these gifts. Prophecy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, so that we don't hurt people. How do we, in a healthy, loving, humble way, operate in these giftings? Now, as we get close to service, one of the things that we're doing is we're inviting our elders to come forward. So I'm going to have our elders and their spouses come forward. And we want to pray for you. If any of these three gifts you went through and you go, I might have that, we, we want you to come forward. We want you to come forward. Uh, and they're going to do two things for you. The anointing oil is over there if you guys want to grab they're, they're going to lay hands on you and pray. They're going to listen to you as you share. I think I may have this spiritual gift. They're going to lay hands on you and pray. And then they're going to anoint you with oil. The reason why we lay hands on them is because all throughout the New Testament, the leaders of the church laid hands on people for various reasons. The reason why we anoint with oil is because anointing represented commissioning priests and kings into service. And we are the priesthood of all believers. And we are, in essence, anointing you into service, into the spiritual gifts that you have. So I'm going to pray. And when I get done praying, Eric's going to lead us in a song. And if you f feel like you have one of those gifts, I want you to come forward and, and these people would love to pray with you. If you're sitting there and you're struggling with something in your life other than the spiritual gifts, they'll, they'll pray with you for that too. So it's not just limited to this. So come, come forward. Yeah, come. And um, the rest of you, if you don't feel like any of these things are your gift, while the song is happening, while, while we're singing this song, I want you to look around at everybody else and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit if He has a word of encouragement for anybody else in this room and if you get a, a name and a word of encouragement just go and share that word of encouragement while we're singing this song and then at the end eric will dismiss